Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. This morning, I am going to encourage you around the table the table, the practice of the table. And last week we actually gathered as believers in Jesus around a table and we took communion, which is remembering what Christ has done on our behalf. I loved Sam's exhortation this morning of just reminding us again that it is, it is Christ who has paid that price for us. And we remind ourselves again and again, that's why we practice you practice things that you want to actually become part of you. You want to remember them, and that's what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. Ah, so good. Well, this morning I have a two-part message, and I know that we are all spoiled, and we do not watch things like, you know, one week is one part, and next week is the next part, so I'm doing both parts this morning. Because I used to have to wait until Full House episode two next week because I watched one this week. And you know what? It's things that maybe we should bring back because we need to learn to wait for things. But I'm giving it all to you. You get to watch the whole series tonight. That's kind of what we're used to. So we're going to just continue in that. And for both of these parts, we are going to focus on the fact that you're invited. Yes. You are invited. You are invited. And part one is my table. And part two is God's table. You're invited. Now, I've been working in a grade one classroom this last week, and there was two different birthday parties. There was a little girl at the beginning of the week and just handing out the invitations. And, you know, it's so exciting. Does anybody remember that time in life where you get that you're invited? And it's like, oh, I'm going to go. And then by the end of the week, there was a little boy, and he was handing out his invitations. And it's so exciting to be invited. And I want you to know that you're invited our Jesus, the Father, the Father and the Son say, you're invited. And Jesus, you know, that was one of his most controversial parts of his ministry, was who he invited to his table or invited himself to their table. I love that. Sometimes we need to do that, take on the, the Jesus anointing and say, I'm coming to your house today for lunch. That's what Jesus did. So I'm giving you that blessing, you can do that even today, yes? Jesus actually ate with sinners, with diseased people, with prostitutes, with people that, that were very questionable, and, and it created a lot of tension around his ministry because of who he ate with. He knew how, what it meant to sit down and engage with someone, to connect with someone. There's an intimacy that you're agreeing to when you sit down at a table and say, I'm giving you my attention. And so those who, who were around Jesus, they're like, how can you give that kind of attention or connection to a person who is sinning like that? And yet Jesus, that was how he lived. He lived with this, this desire to connect with people and to invite them to his table. 
I, I love that, that Jesus, you know, in, in the Gospels and, and even throughout the Bible, uh, th- there's this quote from Arthur Poe. It says, if you can read the Gospels without getting hungry, you are not paying attention. Because Jesus was always either on his way to a meal or eating a meal or preaching about some meal one day or, uh, you know, leaving a meal. That's just kind of was, was his, his theme, it seemed. Even the whole end, you know, this story, the Bible that, that we gather around every week, the end of it all is the marriage supper of the Lamb. That sounds maybe weird, but it's, it's the marriage of Christ and his bride, which is the church. Look around, that is us, and we are invited to that banquet. And that is the the end of the story, and how powerful that is. I mean, talk about a big wedding. Maybe you had a big wedding, but this is gonna require the hall of all halls, because it is going to be Christ and his church. And I have to commend many of you in this room you know, I've been invited to your table or I know how you build into this community by inviting others around your table, by saying that, you know what, it is a sacrifice, it is a challenge to host and make it happen, but you have opened your home, you've invited people to a restaurant to sit with you around your backyard fire, whatever it is, thank you. Thank you for engaging in community and saying that this is valuable. Gathering around the table is essential. And that is part one, my table. Now, a year ago, we looked at a book called The Common Rule. And it has, it has a practice. It's a daily practice, if you will. It's like, what? A meal a day with others. Now, maybe that sounds impossible, but he talks about that's even with your family or your spouse, and if you're single, it's going to the same cafe every day or, you know, eating in the staff room with the people that you're working with. This is part of a meal a day with others, and he talks about how this practice of a regular meal with others, it builds something in us that, that creates us to think not only of ourselves, but of the greater, the greater community that we're a part of. And I love what he says um, on page 55 of this book. He says, thinking through all the ways the values of love are communicated over food, we serve each other, we clean up after each other, we take turns, we share, we fight and forgive, we praise and compliment, we express gratitude, we tell stories and ask questions, we listen, we hear each other pray. Now don't you wanna live in a world like that? Where people serve one another and listen to one another and forgive one another and pray for each other. That sounds like, like a great healthy practice. And that is your table. That is my table. That is, that is the, the first part of your invited. This is your table. And there's even statistics that, that tell us. It says regular family dinners are associated with lower rates of depression, anxiety, substance abuse, eating disorders, and tobacco use. even early teenage pregnancy, and higher rates of resilience and self-esteem for gathering around a table. Now that sounds pretty like simple, but essential. And sometimes I think it gets familiar and normal and we're like, does it really matter, you know, to, to take the intentionality to have a meal, to sit down? But it does. The long term is what we're looking at. The short term is always, I don't feel like it, I don't know. But 
the long term, it's this building over time, and that's what habits and practices form in us. And I think even after a couple years of when things changed drastically for a lot of us, there was this like uprising of, of the power of the excuse, you know, to the point where someone says, you're invited, and it's like, well, you know, um, uh, my dog requires a, a person to snuggle with to get him to bed on time, so I think I really should stay home. Or, or I have this closet, this storage closet that I haven't touched for 10 years, and tonight is the night. I'm sorry, I can't come. It's like, you know, sometimes the biggest part of realizing you're invited is saying I'll come. Because that has become a challenge in society. Some, it takes a lot of, I mean, you hear the term social anxiety all the time, and that is, defeating the power of that anxiety is to say, I'm coming. And that's hard sometimes to do. But it is what we are called to, the brave yes. And you know, Jesus, the Son of Man, he came. He came to serve and not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his purpose. His purpose also was to seek and save the lost. But do you know what his method was? He came eating and drinking. He came as fully God and fully man, and he said that this is an essential practice, that we gather around a table. We have 1,095 meals every year, 21 meals this week. I mean, you intermittent fasters in the room, I don't know, 14, something like that. So you're going to have to work a little bit harder, but you can still afford to give one away to someone else. So that's your homework for this week. But also good news, was anybody listening to the announcements? What's happening tonight? So your homework is complete. If you come tonight, realize that it makes a difference to this community, maybe to an individual in a very powerful way that you show up and say, I want to invest my time, my beautiful dish of whatever, KFC, or if you got some home pulled pork that's been smoking for seven hours, I, whatever it is, come and gather and your homework's checked off, which also feels really good. I love what Alan Hurst says. He says, if every Christian family in the world simply offered good conversational hospitality around a table once a week to neighbors, we could actually eat our way into the kingdom of God. That's a good missional strategy. Yep. Sounds delicious. Okay, so your table. Invite to your table. I hope you feel encouraged to invite someone or to say yes to that invitation. Now, part two. Now, we've had a great moment, and this is going to be even better, but maybe more challenging, is that you are invited to God's table. And before I read this, this parable in the Bible, I just want to take a moment and just pray because I believe that these words are going to be more helpful to you than any type of great practice that you're going to institute that's going to, you know, help create community connection. So valuable. But God's word is what transforms us to show up to the table in a way that he's called us to. So I'm just going to pray. God, we just thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can open your word in freedom. We thank you, God, that your word can actually transform us. 
I pray for hearts that would be ready to receive and ears that would hear your truth, God, that you would speak to us in a way that would just call us even closer to you, God, that would create in us, even as we worship God, that we would actually surrender ourselves once again fully to you. In your name we pray, amen. God's word is so good. And there's something called exegetical preaching where you actually examine what the Bible says so that you can know his word and get to know him because we are called to know God and to know his truth. And it's more than living a happier, healthier life, but it's actually living in surrender. I mean, we've talked about it this morning, like Sam's exhortation, and then even just remembering again just who we are in Christ. Oh, it's just essential that we do that. In 1 Timothy 4, 8, it says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So being invited to a table that is costly and doesn't feel good all the time, like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I can get on board with that. There's some challenging parts to being able to say yes to coming to God's table. You know, when you're a kid, like I said, you get the invitation and it's like, right on, I'm going to the birthday. How much does it cost a six-year-old? Nothing. They don't have to buy anything or prepare anything. And that's wonderful. That's a great season. That's a season of the milk. That's a season of, of we get fed and we're, and we're nourished and we get to experience, oh, this is so good. But then a meat time comes where we have a responsibility to actually chew on things and realize that we got some tough stuff to digest and it's going to require a sacrifice. It's going to require a cost. And I mean, in today's with inflation, it's just like, man, throwing a party, you really have to like people. <laughs> you, it's like, I mean, we had two birthday parties this week and thankfully it was teenagers, so they love, you know, like poutine and mcdonald's with coupons i was like yeah this is great but it, it it's costly to be able to host people and even this parable you know it's in matthew 22 if you have a real live bible with pages you can open to it or you can use the YouVersion app or of course it's on the screen look at all the ways we are going to read this this parable of the wedding banquet together And I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to go through it. It says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. 
But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. And therein lies the challenge of Scripture. Like J.D. said, if you read the whole Bible, it means you can't skip over the parts you don't like. And that is forever challenging. Now, whenever we read Scripture, we have to know who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the Pharisees and the high priests, the religious people, when he's sharing this parable. And, of course, the crowds that are always wherever Jesus goes, they are listening in as well. And when Jesus speaks, it says he he spoke to them in a parable. A parable wasn't to entertain people or to trick people into certain things. It was to actually, in a generous, gracious way, try and shift their perspective to help them understand something that they couldn't before. Because priests and, and the people, the religious people, they were following Levitical laws, which was Old Testament. They were Jewish people. They were doing what was right. They were following a law. And Jesus was trying to come in and actually break their brain a little bit on, on the idea of this law that they held so deeply to. And remember that Jesus was here to actually change things, to actually create this merciful, gracious entry that others could also come and sit at Jesus's table. Others were also invited to this table. So that's what Jesus was trying to kind of help them understand. And so Jesus starts out, he says, the kingdom of heaven. Now, when, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about some place in the clouds one day that they'll, you know, float off to. He's actually talking about a time that is now. Because Jesus has come. The Son of God has brought heaven to earth. So the kingdom of heaven has begun. Which means that Jesus is calling for full submission to the Father God here and now. Not someday when. This is our time right now to choose if we are going to give God the rule of our life or if we're not. And that time runs out. So the king, he prepared a wedding banquet for his son. God is the king, Jesus is the son in this parable. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. So he sent out servants. Do you know that this is the fulfilling of the great commission? We are the sent out ones. We are meant to be carrying around our invitations. You're invited You are invited to the king's table, the wedding banquet. You are invited to that. We are the sent ones. We are the servants of the king who are sent out to invite others. And I love how God, you know, they refused. What does he do? He sends servants again. He is a merciful God. He is not wanting anyone to perish. He is not impatient. He is trying to be so patient because he doesn't want anyone to miss out on the feast of, of his son, of this banquet that he has prepared. And he invited them. He says, my oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. 
You know, in this time period, there was no such thing as refrigeration. And the invited guests had already RSVP'd. They already said, we are coming. Have you ever had a, like, had a wedding? Or maybe even just a party, like Facebook invites? Sometimes people don't take them seriously, but no, I'm planning for you. You plan for whoever RSVPs, and sometimes you're chasing people around to know if they're coming because you want to know how much to prepare. And so this is very dishonoring to a king to say, I'm coming. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, uh, uh, what do they say? But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. I got stuff in this life. I got, I got too much invested here. It's going to cost me too much to be able to give up, you know, these things that, that, that really are great, these material possessions that I have. I don't want to give those up. I, I want the security of what I've created here. I, I want this relationship. It, I, I want this over this invitation to come to your table. There's these excuses that we come up with and say, oh, oh, I'm not quite ready yet. Just one, one more time, it feels so good. Just one more, I'm, I'm just not fully ready to surrender. But remember, the feast is ready and you're invited and you have RSVP'd if you've said yes to Jesus and now you have to show up. You gotta show up. So it says, so they paid no attention, some went off, and the rest of the people seized the servants and mistreated and killed them. The king was enraged. So first, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have to actually be okay with not being maybe understood, even mistreated, in, not in Canada, but in other countries, to the point of death, to say that I'm going to the king's banquet, he's my God, he's my king, I'm going to be there and we have to be willing to be mistreated. But I love the king's response. He doesn't look at servants as disposable. He doesn't say, oh, well, we'll just get some more message boys and more, you know, like those to sweep and clean up or whatever. He comes, the king was enraged. He sent his army and he destroyed those murderers and burned their city. You have to know that justice is in the hands of our king and it will come. He will bring complete justice for where you've been wronged on behalf of his name. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited do not, did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So who was included in the invitation when the servants went out? Everyone. You're invited. You're invited no matter how far you feel away or how, how wrong you feel or how confused you feel. The king says, come. The king says, come to this banquet. And I kind of wish the parable ended there. And there's one in Luke 14 that ends there. And so I was going to preach on that one because it just has a nice ending. I, it's, it's just nice. The house is full. Oh, hallelujah. Let's carry on with life. God wants his house full. And it's true. These invited guests, he wants all people to come to repentance and full surrender. That's what the king wants. 
a house filled with guests. But Jesus continues, so we'll continue. But when the king came in to see the guests, uh uh-oh, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. I mean, you just pulled him off the street. What do you expect? You know, what is he supposed to be wearing? Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So many are invited. You RSVP, but few show up. So in this time period, what we don't understand, which is why it's important to read sometimes commentaries or things to understand what the scripture's saying, because when you read that, you're like, well, that's just nasty. But when you understand the culture and the time period, the king would actually offer clothes, appropriate attire to those who would come and sit at his table. And clothes, they were connected to righteousness, to, to a putting on of the righteousness of the king. I now am covered by the king's righteousness, and and he offers it to each one. But what did this person do? He refused. He said, no, no. And again, who is Jesus talking to? The Pharisees, the self-righteous, the prideful. I'll come to your banquet on my own terms, in my own time, in the ways I want to, the practices I want to keep, in my self-governed, self-fulfilled, self-focused life. That's how I want to show up. And the king will not stand. If you reject his offer, if you reject Jesus, then you will be left in utter darkness. We call it hell. There is a place where if we don't, in this time frame, realize, we first realize we're invited, then we RSVP, I'm coming, and then we show up. We don't just show up for, for this, this, this moment, but we actually realize that I daily need to sit at the feet of Jesus Because he is the one who will satisfy me and also transform me. I am called to live a changed life. I am called to actually walk out my salvation. No, you do not earn your salvation. It is by grace and grace is free. It is a gift of God. But we are called to live differently. To not keep, oh, well, this is mine. I'm not giving this up. He says, come, you're invited. So we come to his table and we humbly surrender. And it doesn't matter how many times we screw up. He's like, when you humbly come before me, I will forgive you. There is, you're invited. There is a seat at my table that is reserved for you but you got to show up. It's a call on each of us to show up. Now I'm at the bottom. (laughs) It's just so important. 
that we realize that the gospel, it's, it's, it's love and it's covering and it's a welcome invitation, but it's also a calling to trust, a calling to where does your allegiance lie? We can't just, I, I'm not going to tell you just the, the genie God who's going to meet all your needs and, and make you feel great and to live this happy, healthy, self-fulfilling life. Because you might not like life here. You might not. It might be a, a really big push every day to get out of bed. But guess what? You have an eternity that is promised to you. You have a seat at the table. If you say yes to following Jesus, he does have that in mind for you to be at his table. With full surrender, we come to Jesus. Not him fitting into my plans and into my life, but him taking over the leadership of my life. He is the king. We cannot have a kingdom without a king. That's what our world's trying to do but we have to walk in surrender to a king because it matters for eternity. This is a forever decision. And right now, I encourage you to just stand to your feet. And in these last moments we have, you know, the Selah, let's pause and reflect and remember. You know, if you've said yes to following Jesus, it is not a casual existence. It is not a, oh, you know, it's just some part of what I do. It is everything. It is everything. And so I just want you to even close your eyes and just ask yourself, where have I taken control over again? In my life, in areas of business, God, in areas even of my marriage, in, in areas of how I'm parenting, in areas of my screen time, of my school life, where have I taken that back and say that I am the king over? And where I need to re-surrender to you, Jesus, to remember who I live for, to remember the table I'm invited to. The king says, come, you are welcome here. The feast is ready. And if you have not said yes to coming to this table as a servant of God, that's who I am and that's who many of you are. I wanna invite you. I wanna tell you that you're invited to this feast, this forever feast with Christ that will change your life, but you have to let it. It is full surrender time. So with our eyes closed, I just want all of us in this room, we're going to say this prayer together. And for those of you who have not said yes to an invitation, this is your day to not only just say yes, but to show up. And that's going to be an everyday decision. But right now, this is a starting point. So you can just repeat these words after me. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, for being the only sacrifice that could pay for my sins. I wanna come to you to follow you, to learn from your teaching, to give every area of my life to you. I ask for forgiveness 
for living life for myself. I want you to be the leader of my every decision. I want every area of my life to be submitted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.